Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. On this episode, we have Craig Lewin, who is an athletic trainer in the high school setting, as well as a teacher, but also runs Essentially Sports Medicine, which if you're on Twitter, you've probably seen Craig around. He's very active, but what he's focused on is essential oils and some of the benefits that they can provide for a lot of reasons um, across athletic training and sports medicine in general. And so in this episode, we really talk about how he utilizes those. Um, there's a good reference sheet that we'll have linked up through this episode. Uh, check it out on athletictrainingchat.com with some of the different essential oils and what they're good for and some recommendations from Craig. Uh, really just an interesting look at how to use a different skill set in the world of athletic training. As always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. Please give them a look and support them for everything they do. They've got some surveys out there trying to understand what the world is going to look like for us going forward. So please check that out. Without further ado, enjoy this episode. of athletic training chat we are on with craig lewin who of esports medicine if you're on twitter you've probably come across something that he's done um he's all over the place um commenting and liking stuff um the e i think was interesting and i saw it one time and he actually responded that somebody thought you were into esports um not the <laughs> essential oils aspect of it which i thought was kind of funny as that's become a thing in college but before we get too far into any of that I want to turn it over to you to just kind of give a little bit of background how you kind of come to where you are and ultimately uh, we are talking about essential oils and different things and how it can be used within athletic training um, so how you kind of got here okay um, I graduated from UWL in 1995 with my undergraduate in athletic training um, so this May will be 25 years as a certified athletic trainer. Um, I've had a varied background. I started out in clinical athletic training outreach, so kind of a sports medicine outreach my, my first five years as an athletic trainer. Um, while I was doing that, I got asked to guest lecture a bunch in high schools as well. And I started to, I was working with lacrosse Aquinas and I started my job athletic training wise didn't start till 2 PM. So I did start uh, substitute teaching for them in the mornings and uh, kind of fell in love with teaching. So uh, in the fall of 1999, I decided uh, to go back and get my master's in physical education teaching. So I uh, graduated with that in 2001 and then had my first teaching position in the, in the fall, or actually it would have been, I graduated in the fall of 2001 and then in the fall of 2002, I had my first teaching job out in Colorado and uh, worked out there for five years. Uh, doing uh, mainly teaching and coaching and then athletic training on the side. So I kind of did some PRN work with the high school. We had an athletic trainer on already employed by the school district. So he, he ran the show and then I just kind of helped him. I coached football and track. So I mainly kind of helped during winter sports, like with wrestling tournaments and such uh, to be an extra individual to help with, with that. Um, uh, we ended up uh, meeting my wife Sharon out in Colorado and we got married and then we decided to move back to the Midwest because she is from Cincinnati and I'm from Marshfield, Wisconsin and so we uh, found somewhere right in the middle and that is where I ended up and I've been in Valparaiso, Indiana now for this will be my 12th year at Valparaiso High School so I'm in, um, working as a 
as a physical education teacher. I do teach two athletic training classes as physical education electives. And then I also work as one of three athletic trainers at the high school um, as a, with a stipend in addition to my uh, teaching salary. Uh, and then there was a couple of year, few years, about four years, I did need to take a break during that 12-year period. Um, then I worked some PNR work, and then I, about three years ago, I came came back on to work as an athletic trainer for the high school in that stipend position again. So where or when, I guess, did the essential oils? aspect of what you do kind of come in to play um, about six years ago uh, our son was seeing an occupational therapist and he had recommended uh, some essential oils he had he had grown up and as a missionary child uh, his parents were missionaries down in Africa so they had used essential oils uh, to keep keep in good health while they were down in Africa. Um, so he had recommended that their son at the time was having some anxiety issues and had recommended using some lavender, bergamot, and orange essential oils with, uh, with him. And we saw good that they were very effective in helping with his moods. Um, my wife had decided that was right about the boom when, when Young Living and Duterra were uh, promoting essential oils and my wife got a essential oil kit from Young Living and uh, in that kit we had had one of the oils called Panaway which I'm just going to show right here mm -hmm. um, it has wintergreen clove heliochrism and see anyone else missing and peppermint oil in it. Um, when I was doing my research, when she first got the kit, I had seen that heliochrism was really good with inflammation and helped with contusions, bursitis and such. And during that, during that winter, we had a really huge, lot of huge snowstorms. And I do a lot, I still shovel. I don't have a snow plow, snow plow or snow blower. Uh, so I developed one morning I'm driving to work and put my left arm on the door as I'm driving out of habit and I kind of feel like it's kind of sore and I look and it's kind of squishy so I had developed some bursitis in my left elbow and I decided to try just um, you know my wife's like maybe we should get some ice for that I said well from what I'm reading you know this Panaway may 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 work on it so let's give it a try and so I tested it out and my inflammation went down and within a couple of days. So that kind of hooked me that, you know, it wasn't just something for emotions or something to smell good, that this may be a tool that we could use as athletic trainers or sports medicine or healthcare professionals. So that was um, where we kind of kind of got the idea. I always, when I started out as an undergrad, I was undecided. And part of it was I was going to go physical therapy or uh, business, possibly be an accountant. So I always thought about the business side of it. Um, during my freshman year, I found out about athletic training. Um, as big as the Marshfield Clinic is, we did not have a sports medicine program at that time. Um, and there was no athletic trainers at my high school. So um, I really did. I just thought athletic trainers were physical therapists who worked with athletes. So. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so yeah, I, found, I don't understand that. Yeah. So I found out my freshman year, somebody on my floor was was in the athletic training program, and he. So I looked into it and then applied and got in as a sophomore into the introduction class. So, um, so I always thought I would like to do a business, do a business as long as I was something I, I really loved the products and with Young Living I have. We've, as a family, we've we fell in love with the products, and like I said, not they have a lot of different products. Not all of them can be used for sports medicine, but there are 
some of my favorites that I do do order and donate to our school that we can use them in the athletic training room. So I definitely want to get into more of the application. Um, you know, you referenced using the one um, with inflammation and just some of those other things. But before we get there, my wife got into it for a little while. She's a big believer in thieves. Anytime I sniffle, um, that is what she wants to utilize. But even from my end, I haven't done the research on it. But like, what are essential oils and what, if you can say it makes them effective, if there's a good way to put that into words, why that might be effective. Okay. The um, essential oil are derived from plants. So they, they extract um, the oils. So basically each plant has fatty oils as well as kind of the essential oil. The essential oil is more of the aromatic, uh, starts, as a, starts as a liquid, but can evaporate into a gas. And um, the essential oils can be, can be used on the body three different ways. And so the main one that you see with aromatherapy, would be aroma, that it is uh, inhalation is probably the primary way that's been used, um, but it is also used topically and also um, with some people decide to ingest essential oils. So um, athletic training wise, we only use uh, aromatherapy, diffusing it, and use it topically. Um, what I think makes them effective is that there is studies that show um, through inhalation that it that it go, affects the certain areas of the brain that control mood and and pain control. So that is where we like to use it. Um, also, um, it is. The essential oil is easily absorbed by the skin, so it can can also get into your bloodstream or into the tissues that you rub it rub it on. Um, they've been used for you know since biblical times. Even some of the when you look at your your different sports medicine uh, rubs and creams and such, like BioFreeze uses peppermint, wintergreen oil. So um, all those different type of analgesic rubs have, have essential oils in them. Um, just um, some companies have, I guess, more therapeutic effect. And it just, as, as the boom started, more companies and pharmacies and, and such try to get in on the essential oil craze. So there's not everything is the same, and I like to compare it kind of to tape. You know, if you're going to go to Walmart and buy a <laughs> roll of tape, you know, what we're going to get from our medical supply people, you know, from myotech and such, is going to be a lot, a lot better tape than that roll that you're going to buy on the shelf at Walmart. And I think that's right. you know the same thing with essential oils that you kind of get get what your your money pays for. Um, um, because it is, you've got to find the companies that are doing uh, the scientific extraction to get the therapeutic effect. So they, uh, Young Living is one of those. And, uh, there's more than one company. Young Living is not the only company with a quality essential oil out there. We just kind of, when we were doing our research, they had been around the longest. And so um, that's who we decided to go with, and we've been happy with them. Uh, but uh, soil, just I guess also I'd like to compare it to almost like, you know, wine that, you know, the soil, how the plant grows makes a difference in the quality of the product. Sure. So, so you want to make sure the companies kind of have their own farms and that they have strict standards on how they're growing the plants. And then it's also when they harvest and do the distraction or extraction they're going to um, get it at the levels uh, temperature-wise. They're going to keep as many of the compounds that are in that plant to get the therapeutic effects. Apologies for the hacking dog in the background. No yeah, unfortunately, getting a little... probably run through pretty quick, pretty soon as well. 
Yeah, unfortunately, he's getting a little old. Um, so just going back to your one, you talked about the inflammation with your elbow. Um, have you found anything that you've kind of, in traditional athletic training, that's in quotes, that you've kind of shifted in your practice? Um, I know, like, ice has come under a lot of scrutiny just more so recently and people using – more movement or the different Easton machines or, you know, even potentially something like this. Have you found anything that you've, I don't want, I hesitate to use the word replace, but, or maybe augmented um, to go more of the essential oil route than again, quote, traditional practices. Um, I do. Again, I do like to use essential oils along with movement um, a little bit more than, more than ice, but it is, it, you know, it's, if I'm not going to, I don't force essential oil on, on athletes. I always explain what, what they are. Would you, would you like to try them um, before I, I use it? Um, and usually, again, I won't put it on everybody that's, that's complaining of pain. Um, it's usually the, the stuff that you know is going to be more than a day or two, uh, you know, something that might be a week or longer for injuries that, that they're going to have to recover from. Um, I do say I probably use less ice personally, but again, I, you know, I, if an athlete wants to use ice, I'm going to, I'm still going to let them use ice. I'm not going to tell them, no, you can't, can't use ice. I, ice, I do try to uh, say that there's not good research showing that it helps with inflammation. You know, that mainly the ice is good for pain control. And some people love icing for pain control. I'm one of those people that for pain control, it's awesome. I've gotten used to it. Uh, I sprained, started spraining my ankles as a freshman in high school. I probably would beg to differ. I, you know, I did not like ice then, but it's something I got used to. Uh, but if, you know, if, if inflammation is under control, you know, if, and heat works better for somebody, you know, that's, you know, we're, we'll switch to heat a lot sooner. And then again, trying to get them moving as quickly as possible. Uh, we, we are looking at getting some of the, um, we're up, updating our athletic training room. We're supposed to have a new athletic training room and, and weight room facility uh, this in October. I don't know how much it's going to get pushed back now because of right. what's going on. Uh, but I know we're looking at the HIVAMAT and also using, you know, either Compex or uh, can't think. What's the other company with the? Mark Pro. Mark Pro. That's it. Yeah. So looking at maybe getting one of those, one of those three units to have in addition that, you know, kind of help promote active movement. Definitely. Um, anything else specifically to essential oils in athletic training that you would like to cover that we didn't, that I didn't ask you about already? Because I know we have some questions about secondary setting um, now that you've been in it for a while and some other things as well. Um, essential wise, what we're using in, in the athletic training room, we do use the diffuser that's right to the, to the left of me, uh, we do use that quite a bit, almost on a daily basis. We don't don't run it nonstop, but usually about 15 to 30 minutes at a time. And so we'll use uh, essential oil blends like Thieves and Purification that will help clean clean the air. Again, Thieves has the cinnamon and clove and rosemary oils and eucalyptus oils in there that help clean the air. And purification has has lemongrass and tea tree oils in it that also help clean the air. So we kind of alternate, uh, just kind of mix mix things up. Um, we so we use that for cleaning the air, and a lot of times we'll do that when the athletes aren't in there. Um, and then we rotate orange, lavender, and eucalyptus globulus on days because they're been some scientific research showing uh, that they're effective in reducing pain levels in patients. So some 
ERs and doctor's offices are using them to diffuse in the background. Um, and they've noticed that uh, when they have patients rate their pain on the 10 point scale that when they're diffusing that it's lower. So it does, does help with that. And we've had some instances where had a, a grip lock uh, injury with one of our gymnasts where she had a compound fracture of, of a radius and ulna. And so, and then we also had um, an ankle dislocation this year uh, that I keep some of the oils with me that I'll put eucalyptus on a, on a gauze pad and kind of as they're laying back, as we're splinting them and, you know, as they're taking the ride to the doctor's office or to the ER, um, it, you know, placing a few drops of the oil on the gauze pad kind of helps give them a little bit of a distraction and again, helping with some pain control um, until they can uh, get it, get on some other medication. For sure, that would, I'm sure at that point they will take anything that is easy to apply um, right. to benefit them. Yeah. And then in addition to that, then we do use um, several different oils for, for topical application. And so basically the minty type oils, your wintergreen, your peppermints, um, spearmints, all those are, are really good for pain control. Um, and then some of the some of your herb type um, for cooking majorum basil those are also good for kind of muscle relaxation lavender so we use use blends that uh, help with that when we're when we're doing some of our soft tissue work heliochrism is another big oil it's very expensive um, the harder it is to extract the oil the more expensive it becomes so if you bought a bottle of pure heliochrism oil, it can a five milliliter, which is again this this smaller bottle has about eighty five drops. That can run you eighty five to hundred dollars for a pure bottle. Um, so we use the we use the blends that have the the that are in there. So Young Living's Deep Relief Blend, the Panaway I just showed, mm -hmm. um, they all have heliochrism in it. Another one, Aroma Seas, there's all that we use with muscle cramps, um, has heliochrism in it. So we, we use some of those blends with our soft tissue work. Okay. Yeah, that'd be, I feel like that'd be a really interesting way to use it. Um, is that something that you use just, you know, putting a couple drops with like lotion you're already using, or is there a specific um specific lotion you use or is there anything out there or if there is is it, is it a hoax <laughs> um no, it's the lotions that come with it already in it you know what's the maybe the best way to go about that i mean you can buy so like so like the deep relief is a roll-on that i can it's already pre-diluted with coconut hydrogenated coconut oil so it's at a liquid um but the pan away does need to be diluted so you just kind of have to read your bottles if it's already comes pre-diluted you're good to go otherwise uh, like Panaway requires four drops of a carrier oil so you need to use something that has the fatty oils so gotcha. coconut oil um, coconut oil olive oil avocado oil those are all ones that that can be used um, I've also mixed it with cocoa butter mm -hmm. so that's okay. something so depending on what, if you want more glide, you're gonna to wanna to use, use more of a, a liquid oil. If you want something to have a little bit of resistance when you're doing your soft tissue work, then I would use a cocoa butter. Okay. Um, Young Living does have its own vegetable oil complex so that they can use. And again, you can, you can go ahead and just Put a drop pan away and then put a few drops of this and then you're ready to go with okay with that as well awesome and the re and i guess the reason why behind you um peppermint <coughs> winter green some of those if you just put it directly on the skin 
can irritate the skin. So if you okay. and you probably have seen that when somebody puts on too much biofreeze or something that they get they sure. get skin skin irritations from it is because it's you know too much of that compound and so it needs to be diluted. So um, that that is why you do need to um, if it doesn't come pre-diluted, got to read the bottle instructions and see how many drops you need to add. And just like anything, some people are more sensitive, so it's mm -hmm. good to have. If you're going to use them in your athletic training room or a clinic, make sure you have some type of carrier oil on hand to dilute if they are having any skin irritation from it. That makes sense. Kind of switching gears to just talking a little bit about the second uh, dairy school coverage. Um, as like we mentioned that you spent a lot of time there in kind of different capacities. Um, what are your thoughts on getting people into secondary schools and how as athletic trainers and how that's coming along? Um, I think in our area, we're seeing in Northwest Indiana, we're basically a suburb of Chicago on a, you know, be, being an East or East suburb of Chicago, but being, on the Indiana State side, um, we do. There are a lot of athletic trainers at schools. Not all of them. Some of the bigger schools, like my, <coughs> excuse me, uh, some of the bigger schools like Valparaiso High School. Uh, we do self-employ two of our three, because okay. we're both also both teachers. Um, our third athletic trainer is is through a nearby clinic, Lakeshore Bone and Joint. Uh, and then some of the other schools um, either go through Lakeshore Bone and Joint or Community Health, um, which is in the area. So uh, we are seeing kind of um, an increase of that clinical outreach coming back. So I, I do see at least one athletic trainer at all of our schools in Northwest Indiana. Excuse me. Um, I do think they're definitely needed. I know some schools like Crown Point, which is about 20, 25 minutes down the road, they've started um, getting clinical outreach athletic trainers to cover their football and wrestling uh, events. So I am seeing it starting to go down into the middle school level. And as an athletic trainer, I do think uh, we need, if you're going to have a sports program, you need to have an athletic trainer on site, uh, just just from and an AED along with that, just showing on social media how many athletic trainers have been able to help save people's lives this year, which is before with using an AED and performing CPR, knowing that every minute counts with with surviving from cardiac arrest that you you want to have athletic trainers at practices and at events and and that's um i'm glad that we're seeing that increase at the high school level but it needs to also trickle down into the youth sports and middle school levels as well and hopefully in the next five to ten years we'll continue to see that Kind of going on from that, um, a lot of, even more so, kind of the craziness that's going on now. Um, PRN athletic training, you know, is something that you've done. I've done some on the side um, in my career, um, mostly now in hindsight, thankfully, through a clinic or something, um, not necessarily just me freelancing by myself. But if people are looking to do that, you know, it's something that you've done it, some best practices that you could provide them because yes, the money can be attractive, but is it always worth that with some of the other things that you got to take into consideration? Right. Um, I guess as if you're not working through a clinic, um, kind of creating your own contract, making sure you have something in writing that you're going to get paid such and such amount for the entire day or such and such amount per hour. Um, 
athletic trainers need to include that travel time. So again, I may, especially if it's a one-day event or a one-time thing, if it's here, right here in Valparaiso, Indiana, I may not charge as much as if I have to go uh, 30 minutes down the road. That's, you know, another hour of my time traveling to and from that event. So, um, so as you're, as you're setting up your contract, uh, make sure you look at the big picture, how much, how much travel time is going to be involved. How long are you going to be there? Are you, does the venue have an AED? Um, I just, they don't have an AED. I don't, I won't work the, the event. Okay. Um, if I would ever go into doing more PRN work, I would probably look into purchasing my own AED to have, if I'm going to make that my full, my full-time business, um, just because, um, with our training and our background, it, it's a must and doesn't matter if you're doing little league baseball where a kid gets hit in the chest with a ball, um, you know, we can have cardiac arrest there to, you know, uh, this year or a couple of years back, uh, one of our, one of our neighboring uh, cities, Lake Station had, had, it was, it was basically spring season basketball, just spring league. And the athlete went into cardiac arrest and they pulled the athletic trainer off of the softball field. She was covering the softball event and saved that kid's life. Um, before I, and that kid, I, before I came to Valparaiso, I was a trainer at an athletic trainer at Lake Station. And I was also um, a teacher at the school that he was playing for. So. It just kind of hit hit me kind of right there at home. I I've been I've been blessed and lucky that I've never had uh, to use an AED or perform CPR besides doing doing a Heimlich maneuver. Um, but I'm ready when that when that time comes. But um, kind of hit home that you know that could have been me when I was you know either working at that school as a physical education teacher and coach or when I was at Lake Station working as an athletic trainer for them. So um, I guess make sure you have that AED and then, um, and whether it's you personally buy one yourself or that whoever you're working for will have one present. Um, in addition to that, you need to know, are they gonna be providing the supplies? So when I worked PRN for a clinic, they provided all the, first aid supplies and tape and pre-wrap. So I was happy with working for $30 an hour. Okay? Mm -hmm. uh, but if, you know, if that was going to come out of my end where I'm supplying all the first aid supplies and tape and pre-wrap and splints and crutches and such, um, then obviously I'm going to charge more per hour. So you kind of, kind of have to figure that out when you're picking up these PRN jobs. To make to make sure it's worth your while, um, I only, I guess, I, early in my career I fell into sometimes volunteering my time. But you know, as I've gotten older, uh, I only volunteer for nonprofits. So I I do provide some some medical care for when we host Special Olympics type right. things here in town. Uh, but that but otherwise if if you're holding a tournament, I do expect it to get compensated and not do it for free. Do you have any like best practices for that you would kind of relay to people to like demonstrate their value? Cause I know for me, you know, it's just like, it took us a little while to get to the $25 an hour we're currently at for covering camps on campus. Um, right. It had been 20 forever. Um, right. and we just made the shift, uh, to 25 and even for some of these other things, you know, everybody's going to come to you with the story of, Oh, well, you know, we run this tournament, but we don't really make any money and you know, everything like that, which is in kind of by nature, I feel like as a profession, we want to be helpful. Like you said, just used to volunteer your time, but how have you gone about communicating your worth 
and then just being able to stick to that to again make it worth your while because i think all of us would probably think you know rightfully so we're worth more than probably we get paid but that doesn't always necessarily happen yeah well i mean i i guess like for the prn stuff i would say have them go ahead and call an emf ems or fire department and see how oh, much it would cost, how much it would cost to have one of those guys sit on site while you're running your tournament or your event because it's pretty spent that is, that is a very good there. point yeah you're a bargain at that point right so kind of that's kind of what i use for demonstrating my worth um you know and then also saying how much Somebody, if somebody's going to get, you know, whether they do personal training or such, you know, that, you know, our best personal trainers in town make 30, 30 plus an hour. And I think even actually are one of the best places in town. They, I think it's 30, 30 or more per half hour slot. So, okay. So, I mean, I, two different apples and oranges, but. Right. But I know if, the, you know, just looking at professions, that you're going to be, you're going to be there to help, you know, save a life and make, and make sure that if there is a bad injury, that it's taken care of the appropriate way that, you know, keeps them from, again, maybe having a possible lawsuit and such. So again, look at what's the cost, what's your cost of, you know, hiring a different medical professional, you know, it's also the, the cost of you going to court over something. Sure. That was handled wrong at, or you had the lack, lack of a healthcare professional at that tournament or event. Those are all really good points. Um, anything else you want to cover before we kind of move into those athletic training chat five questions we have um, trying to look at my notes <laughs> <laughs> and again just we kind of talked about this offline but uh craig's put a bunch of resources on the different types of oils um and what they're good for that we will put into a little document that you'll be able to download um when this episode comes out so there'll be plenty of that information ready for everybody um, I guess one thing I going back to either whether it's PRN or secondary school mm -hmm. um, setting for for ATs is to make sure that I think schools I mean some of them are very happy just to have one athletic trainer but I think ideally we need need to have two on staff um, I before I went back to get my teaching degree I was kind of the lone wolf at the schools I I was at, and that did create a lot of burnout for me. And one of the reasons why I, I was like, I'm, I'm kind of burnt out on you know trying to be everywhere and taking care of everyone and not having days off. Um, that you need to be able to be able to take time off when 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 you need it, when your family needs it, and. Um, you know, a lot of other professions, nursing, uh, most of the schools I, I've worked at have more than one school nurse. So, and kind of that same, same reason. So when they're, when something goes, goes on that you, you know, you maybe need to take care of somebody else medically at home or yourself, or you just, you need a vacation. Um, the school is still being covered with another healthcare professional, another athletic trainer, uh, when you can have that day off. So I know I'm, I'm definitely in a blessed position right now where uh, we do have two full-time athletic trainers at my high school. I'm one of them, and then we have one PRN position. Um, so that does allow us to take time off or um, so if we need, need to go do something right away after school, for an hour, somebody can fill in for an hour while we have to go go pick up medication, pick up a child, uh, 
whatever the the case is um, having two athletic trainers at each school would be would be definitely ideal and schools need to to look into that if they're having sports programs i think that's a really good point <laughs> um well, then kind of moving into these questions, you, you kind of referenced it in here, but I think it'll come up again. Uh, where do you see athletic training going in the next five to 10 years? Um, next five to 10 years, I do, I do think I, we see more youth, more club, more middle schools, having at least one, one athletic trainer present. And I do, I think uh, we're in the 30 to 40% of having a full-time athletic trainer at high schools nationally. I think think all those different levels should see an increase in athletic trainers being, being present at, at school sporting events and, again, youth and club sporting events. Um, I do also... I guess one other thing that I've thought mm-hmm. about thought about doing and seeing that other people are doing it as well is is more setting up kind of a cash only business for preventative preventative programs, whether it's like ACL prevention programs or just injury prevention programs in general, and then recovery rooms and mm-hmm. rehabilita- rehabilitation. So I, I think we as we're seeing some pioneers starting that, already have started that, that we may, that more people may decide to go that route as well. And, and I guess also, since we have a lot of athletic trainers helping out with the hospitals right now due to the COVID-19 virus, I maybe anticipate that We'll have more athletic trainers and that are using their skills in doctors and doctors' offices and clinics as well in the next five to ten years as they as they see our skill set. Yeah, it's un- unfortunate that that might be a thing to highlight it, but um, definitely a huge piece of it. And to all the people that are out there doing those positions, I know a couple of them here in town are doing that um just say thank you to them since we we brought it up what advice would you go back and give yourself as a young athletic trainer if you could just go back and be like hey listen to me um athletic training is not your identity it's not i mean i know that it's something that we love to do but and it applies to any any job really but a lot of times especially as males uh, our identity our identity is found in our jobs and and I would uh, as a young athletic trainer definitely my I would I would have would say that I considered my identity my job mm-hmm. so so just uh Sometimes we kind of get, especially when we're younger, get a little more tunneled vision. Um, that you know, kind of look at the big picture. That that you're more than just your job. Okay. Um, you know, you are. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're a mother. You're a father. Um, you're a friend to others. That uh, make sure that you're scheduling, taking time to schedule family time, friend time, and me time, so you don't go through burnout. Um, athletic training uh, does have, especially since um, not every school is blessed with more than one athletic trainer. Um, so there is a tendency that if you don't take take the time to have family, friend, and me time, uh, you sooner or later you will burn out. Right. What has been one of the most influential resources that you've found in your career? I would have to say definitely the internet. Um, it's kind of funny, kind of a funny story. So graduating in the spring of 1995, 
and I'm talking to one of my classmates and he's like, hey, we got right during the spring of 1995 is when we were issued our our college email addresses. Okay. And so, and so he's like, hey, we got email addresses. And I'm like, I kind of blew it off and said, when am I going to use that? So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 25 years later, um, obviously it's used quite a bit. Right. Uh, do a lot of communication now that we're doing online teaching. Uh, at least through May 1st, you know, it's a, it's a big, big thing. Uh, but I would say that in addition to that, the, just the ability to use YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, um, kind of just starting to dabble with Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm mainly because I get, find stuff on Facebook and Twitter that links to Instagram, but, okay. um, but seeing, seeing different ways that people are stretching different ways that people are strengthening athletes, um, you know, different techniques. And I guess that is one of those things that, you know, it's definitely open, open up my mind that there's not always one way or one tool to do, to do things with in sports medicine. So yep. um, two things that I've really enjoyed um, kind of looking into and uh, they're pretty expensive. I think for, if you take the, the actual class, if you have to go, but is the postural restoration that I've seen that Ron Ruska from Nebraska, he's a Nebraska physical therapist, yep. postural restoration techniques. That has been something that has been pretty cool that I've found on the internet. And then also some of the myofascial stretching. And I guess the big thing is, is just how, how important your diaphragm is with breathing and making sure that you're breathing correctly and um, that if you're hyperventilating and not not doing deep breathing that you know it can affect your shoulder it can affect your hips it can affect your quads and your hamstrings so that's um, kind of an, a new topic that I would have never never came across if it hadn't been for the internet I can understand that. Um, if you could change or eliminate one thing, could be a modality, a common practice, a mindset, uh, whatever you want it to be um, in the field of athletic training, what would it be? Um, I guess is that what you were taught in, in college is sometimes will be right. Some of it may be wrong that it, you know, everything we do is a science and that science changes. So uh, just whatever you you learned in college, you can't be set in your ways that this is the only way uh, to do, to get this injury or illness better. Um, that, that we're constantly evolving as a science and that not every patient or athlete are gonna respond to a similar treatment the same way. Um, so you're gonna, uh, is making sure that again, that you diversify your toolbox. And cause again, when something that, that you use regularly with athletes and it doesn't work, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of find, find a way to help athletes um, get better or feel better. And it, it may, may require using a different tool that you've never used before. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes, but you know, as, as great as the internet and social media that I'm finding, finding things that that are new to learn about. um, I do see a lot of bashing of athletic trainers that, you know, maybe use some tools that are outside the box. and sometimes they, you know, since it's something new, there may not be a lot of research on it. So um, I guess that's something I'm interested in doing down the road is if it's without going on to get a PhD, um, I would like to be able to, 
if I'm able to do some research on essential oils or other um, stretching and strengthening techniques, I would definitely, that's something I'd be interested in doing down the road. Um, just uh, if, if it ever comes down to where we could do that without having to be uh, linked with a university. For sure. No, I think that would be fascinating to look at. Um, last question is what does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Um, I think we're athletic trainer to me is again, being a healthcare professional that is here to help athletes and patients be active individuals, be remain healthy and stay healthy. And if they get broken, uh, we'll help them get, get, get back to that healthy state or wellness state. Well said. Um, we'll link up everything you sent um, uh, in the show note thing uh, with all where people can find you. But if people wanted to connect with you, what is the easiest route to get a hold of you, you know, for questions or ideas or, you know, who knows, potentially research down the line? Uh, the best best way would be to either uh, send me a message on Twitter uh, at eSportsMed is my handle. And then also they could uh, call my business phone, which is 219-237-9223. Awesome. And we'll have all of that in the on the webpage when we get this episode live. So if and this is out. Go ahead and look there, people, and we'll make sure that you have hyperlinks to all those things. Yeah. I do have my web. We do have our website, Facebook page, and then as I said I've, I've started a an Instagram <laughs> account. Haven't put a bunch on there, but may in the future. So fair enough. Well, Craig, I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing some of the information on essential oils. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Joel.